I want to lift up a text found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 5, beginning at verse number 1. And I'm reading from the new, well, reading from the King James translation of the Bible. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Genethret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for drought. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the drought of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had and when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. I want to tag this text with the subject, if I'm missing, I've gone fishing. Uh, why don't you look at the neighbor and just say, let's go fishing. Let's go fishing. As believers, we are challenged to be soul winners. In our text, Jesus sets the example. Here's an interesting video that was circulating on social media some months ago. I want you to take a moment and look at this video uh, featuring Pastor Ed Young of the Fellowship Church of Dallas. With our pastors, it's the Sunday after Easter, and this balcony was packed last week. We had massive crowds, but the people just don't come back. Pastors, I know we felt better about ourselves this last week than any other time. We thought we had it dialed in, but no, they don't come back. They'll be back. Christmas, don't beat yourself up. It's okay. We're reaching a lot of people. I know you are. I know we are. And that's the good thing. But again, they don't come back. Well, as you can see, Pastor Ed Young is having an interesting time looking at his church and uh, uh, lack of attendance the Sunday after Easter. And isn't it interesting how our churches are packed out on Easter Sunday morning, but the week after, it seems as though nothing has happened the week before. Pastor Young uh, pastors a church with multiple locations in the Dallas-Fort Worth area as well as uh, even a location in Miami, Florida. But he's making reference to the fact that our churches swell on Easter Sunday, but the day after, the week after, they seem to be empty. 
he makes reference to the fact that perhaps we'll see the people again on Mother's Day or perhaps at Christmas. Isn't it interesting again how we approach attendance in terms of church? And as we start to turn the corner on the pandemic and as we return back to life as we once knew it, we must realize that many things have changed in our lives and in our world. Some things have changed for the better while others have changed for the worst. And some things will never be the same. As for me, th there's a need to ask myself some questions. Why have we gone through so much? What should I have learned from this pandemic? What should I be taking from this experience? What is my go forward? In other words, what should I be doing now or what should I be doing differently? And before I could finish answering these questions, I found myself asking a new set of questions. What is God saying to me in terms of this global pandemic and why has God allowed this pandemic? I know for some people the question about the pandemic is whether it was brought on by the devil or if God is the cause of the pandemic. One thing I know for sure is that whatever happens in life, it is either God sent or God allowed. We see people starting to gather everywhere and especially at sports venues. Uh, give or take, whatever you may think about the Cowboys. <laughs> I recently attended a preseason game and wow, the crowd was there. On last night, I was hanging out downtown Indianapolis and the Colts had their preseason game and against Tampa Bay and crowd, the crowd was all over downtown. They were in restaurants, in the hotels and they packed out the, the stadium. And as you can imagine, there were those who were there for the sake of the coats, and there were those who were there who wanted to see Tom Brady, this old man, walk out on the field once again. Here's my next set of questions. Life uh, is returning to normal. People have begun to move around again. People are taking vacations. People are returning back to work in the office. People are dining out again, and malls are packed. Concerts are selling out. Movie theaters are full again, sports venues uh, are full, and people have resumed all of their previous social activities. Yes, even myself, I had the privilege of celebrating my 60th birthday last week in Las Vegas, and we had a chance to go check out a John Legend concert. I looked at how the people that were in there, and I said, it seems as though no one's afraid to be here. But what's up, God, with the fact that people only prioritize church when it's a funeral? Maybe Christmas, Mother's Day, or Easter. We used to call them CME members, Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. But my assistant, LaDonna, who's traveling with us today, has accentuated the positive and said to me on one occasion, Pastor, they're not CME members. She said they are, uh, yes, Christians ministering elsewhere. That's another way of identifying CME attendance members. But as I thought about that, I thought about something that took place this past uh, spring as we attended, as I attended the uh, IC3 conference hosted by uh, Dr. Ralph West at the Church Without Walls in Houston and co-hosted by your pastor. Dr. Ralph West stood up and talked about how prior to the pandemic, uh, he shared with 
uh, members of his church and his Christian education team about the need for discipleship and how they went forth with the discipleship training program. He talked about the fact that the training program was some 36 weeks, and in the light of it being 36 weeks, he said to them that that would be a marvelous starting point. They suggested to him that in some way or another that they should have a graduation and a commencement exercise. Dr. Ralph West said he protested the idea, he said, because of the fact that uh, discipleship is an ongoing assignment. It's something you never complete. It's something you commit to for a lifetime. He said, but however, the people kept on insisting that he go forth with this uh, graduation and commencement exercise. And so he said, ultimately, he ended up signing some 800 certificates and they had a graduation exercise. He said, but here we are two years later after the pandemic and after he considered some 800 certificates, 800 graduates, he said, now he can't find one discipleship maker. What is it about us that we return to everything but the work of God? And so I asked God, you knew of the falling away of the believers prior to the pandemic. So why would you allow this pandemic that would further impact the return of the saints to the house of God? And I find myself asking a question from time to time about where we are and what we ought to be doing and what's next. What will it take to get saints to come back to the house of God? I've asked the question, God, what are you going to do to get the saints to return back to the house of God? I've even asked the question, God, is this the way church will look from now on? I ask God, what about the children? What about the youth? What happened to train up a child in the way that he or she should go? The children have returned back to school, but not to church. What's up with all of this? I ask God, what's next? And with all these questions I have, finally I received an answer from God. God reminded me that COVID-19 is not the first pandemic the world has ever seen. In fact, the St. John Church in which I pastor with birth after the pandemic of 1918 to 1920. St. John was organized over 100 years ago. The Holy Spirit reminded me that I started preaching to myself in the mirror some 45 years ago, and now to preach to a camera is an upgrade. The Spirit said to me, you know, as you started pastoring your first church in Dallas, you preached to some 40 to 75 people a week. The Spirit reminded me that when I came to St. John, I started preaching to 166 people. The Spirit reminded me that I had preached a funeral with only one person present. And so God said to me, just like you started then, you got to start all over again. Finally, I got the revelation of God. The Spirit said to me that maybe God is using this moment to refocus the church. Since the pandemic, the church has had to rediscover its beginnings in terms of in-home church, which is how the church started in the book of Acts. The church has had to redirect its efforts from just churching it to becoming connected to the community, becoming uh, distribution centers for food, as I witnessed that today on your PSAs. Water uh, has been distributed, COVID test sites, and, and, and we have had to close our worship centers, uh, but have gone to work in the community on behalf of the world. The Spirit said to me, maybe you have the wrong focus. You have been focused on uh, when will the saints return to the house of God? 
Uh, you have been obsessed with being a keeper of the aquarium and satisfied with admiring all of the beautiful fish that you have caught. Perhaps you have been too focused on caring for the cute little fish that are in the aquarium when God said, I have called you to be fishers of men and not keepers of the aquarium. Therefore, the Spirit directed my attention back to this familiar text that was, yes, a focus for me some 45 years ago as I preached my first sermon. He said, you move from it, but let me take you back to it. He said, it's about winning souls. It's about winning one more for Jesus. And this is how we really got started. We focused on evangelism and winning one soul at a time. We began to grow, and the saints of God began to multiply. And here we are at a point in a place in which God is leading us back into a season of revival, a season of renewal. We don't talk about big revivals anymore, big conferences anymore, uh, but we've got to get back to evangelism, one-on-one, -on -one, soul winning. And maybe God wants to use this season to cause the saints of God to refocus on soul winning. But this is not the first time God has emptied the church. This is not the first time God has emptied his house during the Babylonian captivity when many of the Jews were carried away into exile. God emptied the temple, but God built it up again. And I want you to know that even when we look at how God used Nehemiah to rebuild the walls around the city of Jerusalem, God took uh, the pulpit from the sanctuary to the street, and it was by the water gate that the, yes Ezra stood up on that pulpit that was made of wood and proclaimed the word of God and maybe what God is doing is he's moving us from the sanctuary to the street that we might become effective soul winners he said I am calling you to go out into the highways and the hedges and to compel men to come unto me there are no highways and there are no hedges inside of the sanctuary God said I want you to go out there in other words, uh, it, it is apparent to me that God is saying, I want you to make, uh, uh, yes, uh, soul winning uh, uh, the priority. I want you to make it a go yonder religion when many times we have made it a come hither religion. In other words, we tell people, this is where our church meets. This is what time we meet. And if you want to be saved, come to our church when God is saying, in essence, it's not about getting people to gather in this place, in this location, but it's about finding people where they are meeting them in terms of their need, and readdressing their spirituality. And therefore, my brothers and sisters, we've got to shift from what we call church membership to kingdom citizenship. I remember my mother back in the day when she would get bored with her house, she would shift the furniture around. She'd clean up the house, she'd reorganize, and then she would rearrange the furniture. She would call family and friends over to ask them what did they think about what she had done. But in essence, the truth was all she did was rearrange the furniture. She didn't add any square footage to the house, no new furniture, just rearranged her furniture. And that's often how we view church growth and church membership. It's just a matter of rearranging the kingdom's furniture. We move from one church to another church, but we very seldom add new souls to the kingdom. We very seldom expand the footprint of the kingdom. We very seldom in invite new people to come to know Jesus Christ. And we got to get beyond this matter of just rearranging kingdom furniture and learn how to find some lost souls who have never met the Savior. 
And that's what Jesus is talking about. He compels them to go out and to be witnesses. He compelled them to become soul winners. And as we think about it, the Bible teaches us in Proverbs 11 and 30, says he that winneth souls is wise. And I want to challenge us as believers to become soul winners. Each and every one of us ought to be a soul winner. If Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened to you, then you ought not be ashamed to let the world know that you have been called by God, you have been saved by God, you have been cleansed, you've been redeemed, you have been set free. The church cannot afford to ignore its responsibility in the area of soul winning. Matter of fact, when we think about it, the world must understand that we are here to make a difference because we're called to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And I believe as Christians, we must be fishers of men rather than keepers of the aquarium. There is no sinner shortage in the world. And my brothers and sisters, we ought to know uh, how to win souls. And we ought to be interested in winning souls. And every saved soul ought to save a soul so that every soul can be saved. And so I want to say to us once again, let's go fishing. You ought to put that in the chat room. Let's go fishing. Jesus teaches us how to be an effective soul winner. As we examine the text, we learn some valuable lessons as I unload my literate wagon. Here it is. What Jesus suggests to us is that uh, if we're going to be effective soul winners, Jesus teaches us how to connect with the people. We must learn how to connect with the people. The text says, as it came to pass and the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Geneva. He saw two ships standing by the lake but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets and he entered into one of the ships which was Simon and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. What do we learn from this text? Here's what we learn. We must, we must set the opportunity to share the word. In other words, Jesus located a place to witness. He met people where they were located. He went out to where they were, out by the lake of Gennesaret. And the Bible said that the crowd came to hear him share the word of God. And I know we have a lot of modern techniques and methods by which we have sought to improve and enhance our worship experience. But in the light of it all, let's make sure that Jesus is the center of our attention. He's the main attraction and that Jesus uh, is center. In other words, we must maintain God at the center. And when Jesus is at the center, Jesus have the way of drawing his own crowd. He said, if I, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. That, that great homiletician by the name of Fred Craddock said, maybe the reason why our churches are packed out every Easter Sunday morning is because the people know that that's the one Sunday we're going to talk about Jesus. We must make Jesus the center of our attention and the center of our attraction. But then we must see the opportunity to share the word. Jesus looked for a platform to witness and he saw Simon's boat sitting there idle and he thought about the crowd that was gathering. He realized he was standing on common ground and that he was running the risk of being lost within the crowd and therefore he said I must move out a little from this crowd not too far where they can't hear me not so far that they can't relate to me not so far that they can't identify with me he said but here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask for the use of that boat over there and I'm going to use it for a platform and a pulpit in order to teach and to preach from and therefore he asked for the boat and the boat was released to him now that's more than just a boat that you see in the text in fact it's science 
Simon's business. It's his occupation. It's his profession. In other words, Jesus said, let me get in your boat. Let me get in your business. Let me get in your profession. Let me get in your opportunity and let me use it for the glory of God. I want you to know that whatever position, whatever profession, whatever business God has granted you with, it is so that he can occupy that space with you and that he can use it as a platform to further the kingdom of God. Don't just think that you've been blessed to be blessed, but know that God has blessed you so that you can sanctify your environment for the good and the glory of God. Oh, I hear people talking about, I don't want God to get in my business. Well, that's why your business is not blessed, because you don't want God to get in your business. If you will release your business to God, release your boat, God will receive it. He'll accept it. He will use it. He will bless it, and he'll give it back to you. And a shout goes right there. We must seize the opportunity to share the word. Jesus taught the word, and we need to use the right kind of bait. We don't need to hook people with gimmicks. I said we don't need to hook people with gimmicks. And when you look at the reality of the text, when Jesus talks about fishing, and, and as you, you look at how they were fishing in the text, you discover that they were fishing with a net, not with a rod and reel, not with hook and bait. Because when you use a hook, you, you have a tendency to tear up the fish's mouth. And so you got to be careful. We're not here to hook people in church. We're not here, no, to be selective because some of us sport fish. We catch, and then we look at the fish, and we throw it back. But when we talk about the kingdom of God, it's referred to as a draw net, meaning we catch some of everything that is in the sea. And when you look at the church, you ought to identify each and every kind of lifestyle that is present in the world, in the church. We ought to see people of every walk of life, of every sort of life, because God has not called us to be selective. He has not called us to be a, 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 a certain group, but he's called us to be a peculiar people. But in particular, God accepts whosoever will let him come. And therefore, we can't afford to be sports fishermen. We can't look and say, too small, throw it back. Too big, throw it back. No, not the type of fish I like. Throw it back. God has called us to win every lost soul. And aren't you glad that when Jesus extends the invitation, it's an invitation to the whosoever will. Whosoever will, let him come. But thank God when you come to him, you will not remain the same. Because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. And behold, all things shall become new. Tell somebody I'm brand new. I was disturbed the other week, right there in Keller, Texas. They were reviewing the books that are being used in the school. And as they talked about the books, they came up with some 33 books that they wanted to remove from the school, including the library. The, uh, they said they want to remove the Bible. I said, oh, no, we can't remove the Bible because this is the only word that's going to stand. Jesus said, before one tittle or one jot of my word shall fail, heaven and earth shall pass away. I want you to know we got to stay with the word. It's not just a book to be put on the bookshelf of your life as uh, one of many to be considered. It's not just a book to be put in the self-help section of your library. It is the living word of God. And God is backing up his word. He's guaranteeing his word that his word shall stand forever. But then number two, Jesus teaches us how to communicate with people. The text says in verse 4, now when he had left speaking, he said 
unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. Jesus spoke to Simon's expectations. I tell you what, we've got to speak a word to people's expectations. The fishermen were washing and mending their nets. According to Matthew's gospel, they were mending their nets. In other words, their nets were not only empty, but their nets had been broken as a result of their expedition the night before. The fishermen were washing and mending their nets. They had nothing. Life had left them with nothing. They were bankrupt. They had nothing to sell in the marketplace, nothing to deposit in the bank. They had nothing to eat. They found themselves operating with nothing. And we must acknowledge this reality in life because often people are trying to find answers and solutions for their lives. They're trying to find things that will make their lives better, and they have found themselves dealing with the reality of nothing. But we know that Jesus is the answer answer for the world today. And if you know that, you ought not allow Jesus to be the best kept secret in town. You ought not be an undercover saint. No, but you ought to come out of the closet and be bold with your witness for Jesus Christ. It's like going to a good restaurant. When you know it's good, you share it with somebody else. And there's nothing like a satisfied customer. And if Jesus is the best thing that has ever happened to you, if he's the best thing that's ever uh, happened in your life, then you ought to share the good news of Jesus Christ. You ought to let the world know that Jesus saves from the guttermost to the utmost. Jesus saves. He will pick your life up. He will turn your life around. He will make you brand new. And if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Here's what Jesus says to them. He said, I want you to go out there into the deep. Let down your nets. Launch out into deep and let down your nets. In other words, Jesus said, what you're looking for, you're not going to find on the shores. What you're looking for, you're not going to find it in the midst of shallow existence. God said, I want you to do some deep sea fishing. You can only catch certain fish along the shore. But there's some deep issues in life. People who are dealing with deep situations, deep problems, big situations. You'll never catch the big one until you get out into the deep. And God's called us to deal with big issues deep situations, difficult moments. But God has equipped us to handle the hour. Jesus spoke to Simon's exhaustion. Simon had been fishing all night. He said, Master, we've been out there all night long, haven't caught a thing. Jesus already knew that. But he says, go back to the place where you failed and you will find success. And that's my word to somebody here today. It doesn't matter what your failures have been. Doesn't matter where you failed or how you have failed. Know that when you take God at his word, success is on the way. And a shout goes right there. We must accept the challenge to stop being stubborn because time and while you're talking about it, you could be about it. And if you can get about it, and get to it, God will bless it. We cannot afford to give into our failures. We cannot afford to give into our fatigue. We cannot afford to give into our frustration. I want you to know that even though it may be the wrong time of the day, but if God tells you to do it, I want you to know God can bring right out of a wrong situation. 
Deep sea fishing was always done at night, but Jesus is instructing them to go out into the deep during the day. And all I want you to know on this morning is that whatever God says do, just do it. Don't question him, just learn how to do it. And when you learn how to obey God, you'll discover success is on the way. Jesus spoke to Simon's emptiness. Simon had been operating himself rather than the Word, and we must affirm our commitment. Stop being sometimey. Stop being stupid. Get into position. Get with the Word. Get with the work, and get with the wealth. We cannot allow faithlessness to stop us. We must trust God's Word. Here's what Simon said. I've been out there all night long. We haven't caught a thing, but nevertheless, at thy Word. And I want you to know that's all you need is a Word from God. In other words, they've been operating on their own. But Simon says, now, at thy word, I'm going back out there on the lake. I'm done. I'm through. But here's the third and final point. Jesus teaches us how to convert people. The text says in verse number 8, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the drought of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. God wants to fill our lives. Listen, they had been out there all night long, hadn't caught a thing, but Jesus sends them back out there. The Bible says that when they get out to the place where Jesus sends them, Simon cast his net. And the Bible said God filled the net so much so that they drew the net into the boat and emptied those fish into the boat and then cast the net again. And uh, yes, God filled the net again. Finally, they called to their partners that were in the other boat. God filled their net and filled their boat. Oh, I tell you, Simon was overwhelmed by the success that he had experienced. There's the overflow of the blessings. I tell you, God knows when to bless you. God knows how to bless you. And God knows where to bless you. There's the overflow of the boats. Oh, yes, the boats began to sink. And in the midst of all of this, Simon had to call for help, which says to me that God has enough lost souls to fill every church in this world, every church in Indianapolis. Uh, we don't have to compete with other churches. Just do what God's called us to do and watch God fill our nets. Watch God fill our boats. Oh, my brothers and sisters, God wants to fill our lives. Uh, he wants to fill us up uh, and he wants to overflow us. They're the overflow of the brethren. In other words, when Jesus realized uh, uh, what he had done in their lives, uh, he encourages them to come to shore and now Simon is making his way to shore, and then he jumps into water. He's ashamed of himself. He covers himself, and he says, depart from me, oh God. I'm a sinful man. I wondered, I wondered, I wondered why did Peter do this? Why did Simon uh, say, depart from me? I'm a sinful man. Then I thought about it, and then I looked back at the text, and I discovered that Jesus told Simon, go out there into the deep, cast your nets, and then when Simon thought about how he really handled the matter, he went out and only cast a net, but God shamed him into a blessing. God overflowed his boat, filled that net, and then Simon perhaps thought about it and said, what if I had fully trusted God? What if I had cast every net that I had? Maybe God would have filled every net. I want you to know that no matter how blessed you might be, until you fully trust God, until you give God everything you have, until you cast every net, you'll never know the fullness 
of the blessing that God has for your life. I'm done. I'm through. But tell somebody, I'm going fishing. Tell somebody, if you look for me, if you miss me, I'm going fishing. I'm trying to win a soul because I've discovered that Jesus is the answer for the world today. Is there anybody here who can testify what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart? Floods of joy like sea billows roll since Jesus came into my heart. If you know he's been good to you, you ought to testify. If you know he's made a way for you, you ought to tell somebody. If you know he's picked you up, turned your life around, you ought to be a witness for him. Is there anybody here who knows my Jesus? Is there anybody here who loves my Lord? Ain't he all right? Ain't he all right? Jesus said, Simon, I'm not going to leave you, and I don't want you to leave me. Just change what you've been fishing for. You've been fishing for fish, but I'll make you fishers of men. And the Bible says they forsook all and followed him. When you follow him, when you go with him, when you walk with him, when you let him lead you all the way, he's a mighty good leader. Won't he do it? Won't he make a way? Won't he save you? Won't he heal you? Won't he deliver you? Shout yes! Yes! 